0: Welcome to Things That Will Help with Buffy Barfoot. This podcast explores what it's like to be human and how to find tools to feel clear, grounded, and happier. The weekly theme will be simple as well as rich and something you can apply to your real life. The human stories ahead do not negate the hard or the dark, but rather point to the lighthouses along the way. This is Buffy. Hey, everybody. I had a specific request for this episode today, and I thought it was a good topic and something that most people are dealing with in one form or another friendship. Changing friendships, repairing friendships, releasing friendships, beginning them too. We are always in birth, death, or maintenance cycles with people. And then there's family, (laughs) which is an entirely different kind of animal. When to repair, when to release, when to let it lie and wait. There was a woman I was very good friends with a few years ago. We had a deep and textured friendship, and we shared so many parts of our lives together. We traveled together. We did stuff on weekends and holidays and all in between. And this was during a time when we were both single and searching for partnership and also trying to get our careers off the ground. Lots of big emotions and big feelings, like early 30s. And then within that same couple of years, we both found partners and started families and we stabilized our career paths and, and became a little bit more centered, I think, in who we are and what we wanted. And we gradually grew apart, partially because of proximity, and partially because I think we both realized that our friendship began in kind of a wilderness of woundedness and loneliness. Um, And we would often spend lots of nights drinking a lot of wine and crying and, you know, just Having big stuff going on, big upheavals and wishing for futures that we, you know, we couldn't see yet or trust yet. Daydreaming about people we had not met yet. And and we spent a lot of time soothing deeper family wounds together. We were both kind of a mess, but we were a mess together. And that was really comforting. And when our lives began to heal and solidify in good and new ways, our friendship became wobbly. Um... Because I I think we didn't know exactly how to be together while staying healthy and clear. The construct had changed from the place where we had begun, and it was no longer comforting to be in that space with each other. And we both decided that that was okay. It wasn't a big conversation. It was a gentle and kind and kind of non-assuming evaporation. And we didn't have to force it. It was just okay, and we could still support each other without being in a day to day relationship. And now I talk to her a couple of times a year and it's sweet and generous and not expectant. And it could change and become more than that someday. But I don't have any expectations around that. A few weeks ago, she texted me and she said she'd had a dream that I told her that she was going to come into a new space of shining her gifts And she said it made her feel really good that she had this dream and the text that she sent made me feel good. We both have such good, well wishes for each other, I think. And it wasn't like a breakup or anything. It was just a reorganization of priorities and awareness of how things need to change sometimes. And I do believe that sometimes people are meant to be in our lives for a period of time like in a really kind of intense and hot and heavy way. And they can be so important to us at those times. And it doesn't have to demonstrate a failure of any kind if it needs to change course. So many times friendships slip away or become less manageable because of proximity or lifestyle. I know that having small children has changed my friendships for sure. Um, sometimes it's easier to get together more often with people who also have similar age kids just because of timing and all that comes with that. I remember many years ago, I was planning an evening barbecue with a friend who had a small child at the time and um, and we didn't have kids and I was cooking dinner and he suggested coming over at three and I remember being, <laughs> being kind of stunned. I was like three o'clock for dinner. But I said, sure, you know, and they came over and we cooked and ate and visited and they were gone by seven. And it wasn't until I had small kids that I really got it. Three o'clock is actually the perfect time to start because then you could go home and have a peaceful bedtime and a nice day with little drama. And it's almost always when I start barbecues now Um, and I think about how, How awkward that was for me at that time, but now it makes so much more sense. I want to also talk about betrayal in friendships. Sometimes somebody is hurt so badly in the friendship that it can't continue as it was, or there has to be a reparation, either a release or a reparation. And just like I talked about in the forgiveness episode, which is worth listening to, so you can backtrack if you haven't listened to that one. The ability and willingness or action to forgive somebody is so personal and can only be determined by the person who has been betrayed. If somebody has been betrayed, they are the only one that can decide if the friendship can be repaired, I think. I think you have to decide whether your mental and emotional well-being is compromised within the structure of a friendship and whether or not adjustments can be made and repaired. I I know people who have forged long, deep relationships with folks based on social hanging out and drinking, and then they decide they need to get sober, and those relationships don't last, which isn't surprising. And sometimes they have to construct their entire social and inner circle to support their highest health. And speaking of inner circle, those people that you choose for inner circle should certainly be rooting for your highest health. Always, always. Here are some things that I need from my inner circle. Number one, low drama, meaning that even if they're having high drama in their life that they can't help the drama between the two of us is low. Most of the time, like if one of us has high drama, the other one helps and doesn't exacerbate the situation. Number two, high-end reciprocal support, like actually show up with casserole kind of support, boots on the ground support when needed, not just kind of like empty support that's like, let me know if you need anything, and then kind of running the other direction. Number three, no calculators are keeping score. Just free form flow, no tick marks or calculating who brought the potato salad last time or whose house went to who, you know, who who went to whose house last time. Just pitch in and show up when and where you can and be um, as present as you can without a calculator. Mm-hmm. Number four, assumed positive intent. When somebody forgets missteps, is grumpy or isn't their best version every now and then we still assume positive intent. We don't jump to conclusions and assume the worst. So there's like this really supreme love foundation that is strong and omnipresent, which allows for grace to flood in and everybody can feel safe and warm. Number five, wherever we are, we pick up from there. Kids, chaos, five-minute phone calls that get interrupted, too exhausted, to keep plans, whatever it is, of course I can come to you this time. What can I do for you to make this all more bearable? That kind of relationship is my inner circle. And last but definitely not least, number six is deep. Deep and transformative conversations, deep containers to hold all the feelings, deep capacity to listen, and deep willingness to hear another possibility. So these are the qualities that I've found that my inner circle has. And they don't feel like requirements that I have to keep in check. They are just the qualities that are already present in the people that are very close to me. Of course, your inner circle requirements may look very different, but just make sure they support your highest health and you are supporting their highest health. Otherwise, it's worth reconsidering um, where they land in your life and a re-ranking perhaps When I was asked to talk about this topic, it was proposed specifically in the context of when should you break up with a friend versus when you should, when should you repair the relationship? And I think when there is harm, when there is perpetual boundary crossing, even when the boundaries have been defined and clarified, when the relationship is parasitic and leaves you feeling drained and taken advantage of, when there is little or no reciprocity and when there's toxic behavior that is directed at you or deeply affects you i think any or all of these things are grounds for a breakup or at the very least a good robust long break after which the relationship could be reevaluated and revisited and perhaps revised um If you have had an ongoing, invested, and communicative friendship, I always think that an honest, candid, in-person conversation is called for in these cases. Um, Do not do this over text or email. I think it's cruel um, and so easily misconstrued, and it cuts off any possibility of an actual conversation and healing. And it instead becomes a monologue or worse, a tirade. And it may feel more seamless to you, but it's not an evolved way to handle this. I think there's a really um, big exception to this. And that is if you feel in danger and like you could be harmed. And in that case, you have to keep yourself safe and well and not be in person or even in contact at all with this person I was thinking, too, about family. I mean, we can we can break up with family members, but I think the expectations for this is different. You know, we all have family members that we wouldn't choose as our inner circle friends, but that doesn't mean that we need to break up with them. You know, you might, but I think that you should be um, – I think it should be more heavily considered in that case. Than growing out of friendships or having them change course with family though. It could mean, however, that we, we need to redecorate how we interact with them, like still keeping our mental and emotional well being intact while we navigate that. For example, maybe having a discussion about how long it feels good to have family visit or somebody stay at your house and setting boundaries there or, you know, what are the expectations around money, inheritance, or other such triggers? So much can be solved with conversation because things brew below the surface and grow in our imaginations and in our assumptions. And we so often stew. We stew and stew instead of pulling people aside and talking to them. And it can be the simplest thing, and we avoid it so much. Stewing does not help anybody, and it makes things feel way more toxic and big. And so most of the time, I think there's a call to get over it or talk about it so that doesn't it doesn't erode your insides. Um, I have this neighbor. She moved across the street, and her daughter and Coretta are buddies, and I have loved having them there. And when when she moved in, she told us the neighbor next door to her brought over a cake and asked her to turn off the porch light at night because it was shining in their bedroom window. And she did and everyone was fine and she appreciated the cake. And I tell the story because in my last house, I had a neighbor who left their porch light on and it shone directly in my eyes every night. It was so bright that I started wearing a blackout mask, which I still wear even in this house, even though I don't have that problem. And I didn't say anything and I stewed about it. And now I wish I just brought them a cake and asked them to simply turn it off. Most things we stew about can be fixed if we ask. And if we were less stubborn and fixated on our own agenda, most of the time we could talk about it and solve more than we think. And cake can solve some things too. <laughs> um, I also think, that sometimes there's no culprit in terms of when friendships start to fall apart at the seams. Sometimes things just die and dissolve so that other things can come in and take their place because everything, including relationship relationships that you have with people, has seasons. If we allowed for that and didn't take things quite as personally and press down so hard on it, then it might free us up to move around a little bit more I've had my fair share of breakups and also things that have just slipped away without conclusion. And when I think back on those now, I do know that they were making way for something new and more relevant for the times that I was in or heading for. Most of the time, no one was wrong or betrayed, but the original construct didn't hold up under the new world. And for the most part, I have blessed those things. Some took me longer than others to feel that way because of my own ego and woundedness. But eventually, I have felt glad to have had them at the time that I did. And most of the time, I understand why it fell apart. And for the few that I don't understand, I trust they had a reason for it and that it was for their own highest health and wellness. Matt has these two amazing dear friends he met in Brussels when he was in graduate school Shadrach and Che and I have noticed that the three of them have remained friends over the years even though their lives have changed drastically there's been a lot of shifts and cities and jobs and kids and partners and interests and the glue that these three have had remains and they are some of his closest soul friends and recently We saw Shadrach's family. He has two young boys and we have a boy and a girl about the same age. And I watched these two men, Shadrach and Matt, watch their children play together, both of their eyes tearing. And it was so moving to me. And at the end of our visit, Otis and Naeem, the two oldest, were holding hands and walking to the cars together to say goodbye and i thought wow this is so sweet so important and so special for these men who have grown up together in so many ways and been through so much and and the construct has changed and they have changed with it and similarly che visited our home recently and he and matt just adore each other And he played with our kids and spent time with them, like really spent time with them and getting to know them. And he paid special attention to me and my mom too. And now Che and I have exchanged ideas about writing, philosophy, and life. And he's like a part of our family. And I know Matt loves that because they've grown bigger together. The construct has changed from what it was when Matt knew him in grad school and sometimes If we're lucky, people come with us when we are in new parts of our lives. But if they don't, that's okay. It's natural to have birth and death in relationships. You know, we only have so much time here. We only have so much time, and it's so precious. Generally, I would say as much as you can, be patient with folks their place in your life may change a little or a lot, but allow that to be organic as it shifts for them and for you. And make room to be moved and make room to be in awe of new people too. There's possibility all around you for fresh blood and new sparks. So pay attention as you tend to the old relationships and the sweetest parts of your foundational Um inner circle and reserve your inner circle for the ones that you trust the most, the ones who you can support and can support you in the storms of life and the times where the wind is still and you can just rest on the porch together. Those times too. We only have so much time. So choose well, you are the company that you keep. We are the company that we keep. So keep good company. My patron of honor this week is Che Rudell Tabasola, Matt's dear, dear friend, and now he's mine. And I feel honored. He really loves this podcast, and he's a monthly patron. Che describes himself as a lifelong advocate who wrote his first petition in fifth grade because he thought there was too much homework. (laughs) He hasn't stopped fighting for what he believes in since. He's a veteran of the marriage fights of the 2000s. We forget... But more than two dozen states passed constitutional amendments banning marriage and, in some cases, civil unions between LGBTQ couples from 2004 to 2008. Since then, Che has been an advocate for food and beverage entrepreneurs, small businesses, and local makers, being driven by the belief that an individual's dignity is deeply tied to their ability to pursue opportunity. He lives in Washington D.C. with his husband and two dogs. Um, this is what he said about his favorite quote: "In my many rotations around the sun, this quote has gotten me through some of some really unexpected and tough times. I have absolutely no idea what we're doing here, or what I'm doing here, or what this place is about. But I am determined to enjoy myself, and I'm very intrigued." Oh my, the soup is delicious, isn't it? (laughs) This, of course, is Mrs. Peacock from Clue. Love to all and good luck on those honest conversations and all of your friendships and all the birth and the death and the in-between that you're experiencing right now. It will all be worth the hassle and the blue. So much love.